Combo Nation, we're here, man. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. Today's show, Seth Parnell of The Athletic joins in to talk what we could learn from the Heat's playoff run, NBA defense, and much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Seth. Can't wait for you all to hear this one. You could catch Seth on Twitter at Anchorage Man. You could catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O. C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Seth Part now of The Athletic. I so often reference your work when I'm out talking on pods and on live shows, so it's always great to have you on, friend of the show. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's uh, good good to chat with you. I think it's been a while, to be honest. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Milwaukee, so hopefully uh, my, my mood is buoyant, so hopefully you're feeling good, too. It's nice out here as well. You know, you actually wrote the book, The Midrange Theory, a while. It's been a while already, right? It's been a while. Um. If they asked you to write a bonus chapter, what would it be about? Seeing what you've seen since you wrote the book. Oh man, that's a that's a good one. Um, I only I think Seth, I was, Seth, Seth. I only ask the good questions. Remember that. I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I might go. I I might go a little more. I, I I don't know if I'd write a new chapter, but I think I might talk more about like the 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 eighty two and sixteen differences, like the like. We're just seeing more and more how, like, is it becoming more different? Does the regular does the regular season matter? What does it matter for? I think that maybe that's more that's a related but not the same topic. I think that the conversation around the regular season not mattering this year, I think, went a little too far. That is understandable given like the load management and stuff like that. But um, the re like part of the reason the playoffs were weird this year relative to the regular season is it was a we are sort of in the depending on what happens with Denver, Denver could rip off like three three championships in the next six years. And would you be shocked? Not really. But it, but it seems like we are kind of between dynasties and there were no great teams this year. So like the difference between like what the heat, the playoff heat and the playoff Lakers were and like the top teams was much more compressed than it normally is. So that had the the appearance of making it seem like regular season didn't matter. Where the regular season told us these teams were actually pretty close. Uh, and then, you know, the, the 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 fact that like, you know, the the Lakers were a very different team in April than they were in February. Um just from from a roster standpoint. But at the same time, uh, I I do think that uh for a number of reasons like regular season results don't tell us as much which people are taking to mean that the regular season doesn't matter. I don't think that's right because like the nuggets, like did some experimenting. They found some habits. They just decided who they, who they thought they could play, who they couldn't play, who they didn't want on their team anymore. The regular season. So even if they weren't necessarily going all out to like, let's get 60 wins in the regular season, 
they used that time well to get Jamal Murray reintegrated in the team, to figure out that Christian Brown could play in the playoffs, to figure out the different ways they could use these players, to figure out that like they just didn't want Bones Highland around. And I think that given how the vibes of that team seemed to really contribute to how well they were able to navigate the playoffs, you know, when that trade happens, like, oh, they just gave him away for nothing. It's like, well, yeah, because he's a guy who picks fights with teammates on the sidelines, and maybe they didn't want that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. um, uh, so what does and doesn't matter, and then the skill sets that do and don't translate to the playoffs. I think I would talk more about that. Yeah, the style of play is obviously a lot different when it comes to playoffs and regular season, but I guess it matters in the sense that how you build continuity over time over many regular season matters. I, I think that's right. Having the I want the 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 biggest thing that Denver did in the playoffs was when they got in hard moments, they didn't play the moment, they played basketball. And that's, you know, I, I use that expression a lot, but I think that they could fall back on that. You know, anytime in the finals, even in the conference finals, when the other team was making a fourth quarter run, they so consistently got good shots, got buckets coming back at them that they just, there were never these like snowballing panic situations like you would see with, like, with you know, Milwaukee or, or uh, Boston. And so and they just had that to fall back on. And it helps when you can fall back on, you know, Jokic Murray two man game that, that 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 helps you do some things, but they just knew that they knew what they were doing, um, and that I think that came from you know both a single season and as you say multiple seasons of reps between those two guys, but also this group of like you know there's six core players plus you know Jeff Green Christian Brown, like just knowing what they were going to do, and being able to fall back on that and not having to call a bunch of timeouts and not have to you know throw a bunch of shit against the wall they'd never done before. Yeah, they just play basketball, and I think it all comes down to their best player because no matter what you throw against them, he's not really playing against that opponent. He's playing against basketball in a sense. He's just he's just like he's so versatile, especially offensively, that it's just like, oh, this is a problem to solve, but I can solve any problem. If you if you show me the same look mm -hmm. twice, maybe get me the first time, but I'm a, I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah, do you feel like the Heat could have done everything different? Because you kind of see Spolster, who I believe is the best coach in basketball, like during one of those Jokic plays, his eyes were just going back and forth, like he, he's trying to figure out a puzzle with no solution. I mean, at a certain level, it's it's you know, I immense credit to him and their team and their 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 organization for having so many guys ready. But at a certain point, you're you know, we made a lot of how many undrafted players they're playing. You're playing a bunch of undrafted players against, you know, the guy, you know, a a two probably possibly probably should have been three time MVP, and you know Jamal Murray, who certainly I think has shown over his sh short career that at least in a playoff setting he's an all star level player, uh, and then you know some perfect complementary pieces. You know, Aaron Gordon is, is I think just an um, like an amazing in his role with Denver, an amazing like Swiss Army knife. Uh, kind of kind of fill in the gaps role player. Um, so at a certain point, it's just like you got like how much could they have done? The other guys are just better. Like yeah. at a certain like you can yeah. close that you can close that gap somewhat with scheme, and you can maybe try to destabilize the other team by you know being super physical, being playing fast, whatever. 
And like I said, Denver was just kind of immune to that in ways that some other teams, maybe similarly talented teams as Denver weren't. Yeah. So what do you what do you do? You tip your hat. And yeah. What can we learn? You know, a while back I asked you about the evolution where the league is going, and you talked about how the defense will probably end up catching up to the offense. Like there has to be a tipping point at some point. Did we see some of that with the Heat when it comes to their zone? And can other teams, maybe more talented teams, learn from the Heat's improbable run throughout the playoffs? That's a really interesting question. Again, you you only ask the, you only ask you only nothing but hits, nothing but bangers, <laughs> right? Um, I think so. I think that just the ability to, to try multiple things to mm-hmm. is is sort of in a playoff setting, um, figuring out how you can how you can expand your your usable roster, figuring out uh, you know different different looks. You know, it's again Haywood Highsmith getting some center minutes. Figuring out how to, and this is something that didn't always work, but figuring out like how you can get Duncan Robinson on the floor because you need his offense. Um, how to you know grime yeah. up the game by being okay? We're we're small, but we're we're going to be physical as hell. Um, and I think it's just having the players who can operate in that in that setting. Um, but at the same point, like you look at Denver, and a huge advantage Denver had was. You know, within those uh, those top six players, the starters and Bruce Brown, they could play how many different ways without having to go to the bench. It's like, all right, we're going to do this now. We're going to okay, we're going to post up Jokic. No, we're going to go Jokic Murray pick and roll. No, we're going to go uh, uh, Murray. We're going to go flip it around and have the other screener. We're going to post up Aaron Gordon. We're gonna we're going to run split action with with Murray and and Michael Porter Jr. Like there's all these different things they can do offensively and then you know defensively as well um they they were able to have that versatility within that one group of players and i think that was an advantage they had against miami in that it was just sort of on the fly you could sort of flip stuff around without we got to put jeff green in the game now to be able to do x y and z it's like no we can do that with aaron Gordon. we can do that with kcp we can do that with bruce brown and that's just a that's just a like a a luxury that maybe like the Warriors had, like the Dynasty Warriors had, and yeah. I'm not comparing them. I don't think the Nuggets are as good at like the you know the 2017 Warriors. The but there team. is there is influence though, right? Yeah, there has to, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, but I think in general, like like I mean, we we've seen it a little bit that uh, that uh, three point rates have started to stabilize a little bit, and we're kind of at the edge. And also just the fact mm. that shooting more shooting more threes isn't the cheat code to good offense anymore. It's it's yeah. getting back to uh, talent kind of being the deciding factor in which team is good or not. I think that indicates to me that the league is sort of uh, you can't just math your way to to good yeah. outcomes anymore. Um, so I think that's to some degree the defense catching up. I think there's still a little more to go, um, but I think just just it's it's noticeable how much less sort of automatic help there is than there was even two years ago where it, it was sort of, you know, there, uh, you know, teams had figured out like what, what caused the defense to go into rotation. It was almost like press the button, get the prize. Wow. Okay. And, and that, <laughs> and that, and that, that's gone away a little bit where you could see, and this is something that I saw kind of firsthand. There were times where we, as the Bucks, you know, were playing a more kind of an aggressive trapping style, 
and we'd play against some teams that are just figuring out if I just dribble the ball this spot on the floor, they're going to double me. They're not going to be able to get there in time for me to swing the ball to the opposite side of the floor. We're playing two on one on the other side of the floor. We're getting a layup or a three out of that every time. And it wasn't, you didn't even have to do anything necessarily to draw that, that help. It was just, you could kind of figure out, you get to this spot, the defense will react this way. And I think there's less sort of automatic of that. I think, I think a team that, that frankly, I was impressed over the course of the season with their ability to avoid that uh, was Oklahoma city. I think they're, I think uh, Mark Daniels is a, is a really good coach and I, I'm really interested to see where they go because they did a lot of, um, you know, they, they almost played random defense in a way that, you know, we like to see teams play random offense in a way that they were less predictable. And I, I was really impressed by that. Was it random or was it more read and react defense, would you say? I mean, you could call it read and react. You can call it like <laughs> from the standpoint, I guess from the standpoint of the offense, it was more random because you can't just, well, if I dribble here and get this screen, that guy's going to help to the nail. And then I could hit the guy on the other side, on the other wing, making a 45 cut and we'll get a, we'll get a bucket or, you know, try help that way every time. And they didn't put themselves in that situation as much. Yeah. I think there's like some warriors influence from both of these teams in the finals, from the sense that it feels like more decentralized than let's say heliocentric offense. But I've talked to some friends in the NBA and they don't quite agree with me, everybody that the nuggets play decentralized offense because a lot runs through Murray and Jokic. I would like to hear your thoughts on that. But not only that, I felt like the league was trending towards maybe more decentralized offense, more team building, less name chasing. And then we see this news with the Suns. So obviously uh, Ishbia was not listening to me. I mean, <laughs> new, 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 new owner syndrome is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I mean, he, he owned the team for like a day and then it's like, trade everything for Durant. And then you know what like- meme I wanted to find? Vince McMahon walking to the ring and then getting stunned like walking with that <laughs> like that. that's what and, i that's and what then I was you know and then putting like Jokic on uh, on uh on on uh, stone cold's head or something like exactly that. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. yeah i think that's right um that'll be the one i the one i go with all the time is like if you, if you uh bull durham is kind of a dated reference now but there's okay. like uh uh you know the, the the hot shot young pitcher is like uh the veteran catcher is like no throw a curveball he's like i want to throw a fastball and announce my presence with authority Right, right, and that's right. like, and it's just like, and and it, that's a little bit what I feel like with you know a lot of times new owner comes in and is like, let me show you, I'm I am I am I am the new sheriff in town here, and it just like that sort of runs into reality. Um, yeah, I I uh, I know it's been it's been sort of controversial. I really really like the Kevin Durant deal. I understood it's it was a lot, but I understood the gamble they were making didn't totally pay off but like how do you how do you account for a guy spraining his ankle in warm-ups and missing three weeks um, you know so you never get a chance to really play with your team uh I hate this this Bradley Beal I hate mm. it I like I don't first of all a lot of it is I just like when was the last meaningful basketball game Bradley Beal played mm. what does he bring to your team that isn't just like worse Devin Booker and, you know, people, the, the question is, what were they supposed to do instead? And the, I, my answer is, I don't know. I don't have to know now because it's not just now. You have now until the trade deadline. You have next year's offseason. You have next year's trade deadline. And you've basically eliminated your ability to make moves in any of these windows. And so if you get to February of this year and it's like, you know, we're this player short. 
you don't have matching salaries. You don't have draft picks. You're not going to be able to take on salary because of the new CBA rules. Like, like the number of different ways that they have just like, well, we're going to sign some vet mins and our team is on the floor and there's nothing we can do to change it from here is uh, worrisome. And also for a franchise that like um, made like wanted it out there that they don't care about scouting. Like now you've got to find some diamonds in the rough to fit to fill out your rotations. Like good luck with that. So yeah, um, maybe I'd feel differently about it if there wasn't such a if it wasn't still like the the ooh shiny let's go get that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. If I'd had more confidence that they really gamed out the scenarios of what they could do and came to the conclusion that this was no this is a risk but this is the risk we have to take. I just I don't have much confidence that they actually did that, and so that's probably influencing my uh, disdain for this deal as well. Well, what if Ishbia, you know, calls you up, Seth, and like, you know, we made all our moves already, but now we want to bring you in. So, from what they have now, <laughs> he made you, he made you, he made your offer. You can't resist, Seth. So you just had to you had to move the family to Phoenix. You just you couldn't resist. You could. He said you could still do Nerder. Um, but like, what do you do now, Seth, from here to maximize what they have? I mean, I think the the thing you, since it's sort of uncapped spending, I think you go whole hog on, they just have to, and this is not something that a lot of teams have done, but because it's hard, mm-hmm. but the example of Miami and though they've fallen off in a little last, last couple of years, a little bit Toronto in terms of player dev, like really like you know, 30 teams give lip service to player dev. It seems like only a couple teams really live the life where mm-hmm. we are, you know, I think Miami had guys who were ready to play playoff minutes because yeah. they they took, you know, they take their G League team and it's just like one of maybe one of you will make it, or we're gonna treat it like we are getting all of you ready to play playoff to play playoff rotation minutes. And yeah. we are going to treat this like a real part of the team. It's not going to be an afterthought. It's not going to be Siberia where we send people when like this is going to be a this is going to be a legit part of our program. And we're going to invest in that. And it's going to be a lot of failure because getting a guy from undrafted level to playoff rotation able, that's a hard road. So we're going to fail much more than we're going to succeed we're going to go do it and pour into it every day. And you like Phoenix has to do that. And I don't know if they, if they are set up to be able to, because they have to find the Max Struces and the Dave Vincents because they don't have other avenues to add talent. Unless you think that you're going to like, you're going to win every kind of uh, recruitment battle for a ring chaser to the extent that there are like, um, different like ring chasers at the level you need them to be. You got competition in Denver, LA teams, Miami, Milwaukee, Philly. Like, there's a bunch of places where these guys, like, like places that can offer these guys minutes and opportunities, and and a real shot at doing that. And I, it's not at all clear to me that like Phoenix has the best sort of, you know, this, it's not a financial package because there's it's, you know vet minimum, right. but which of the if you're a guy like. Which of those teams are you are you choosing? Maybe it's Phoenix, but I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, I I don't think it's like obvious that they're the team you go to if that's where you are in your career. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like I thought the league was going away from name chasing and more towards you know team building, 
chemistry. And basically you would, when you got to the suds, you would, even though you just name chased, even though that was before your time there, you would get back to the continuity in some kind of way and team building. <laughs> I mean, it's the, 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 the thing about the, the, it's the on the margin stuff has always mattered like more than it's, it's really focused on. Um, obviously like the top end is, is how you get in the conversation, but like the difference, you know, between teams in the playoff is often those like, you know, Christian Brown, again, being able to come into the game and give you quality minutes versus like, you know, some other guy coming in and just getting you killed. Like, you know, yeah. I don't want, we don't want to pick on Spo, but like in game five, like the game kind of turned when he felt like he had to go to Cody Zeller for a couple minutes at the start of the fourth. And it's just like, yeah. The the inf the infamous Zeller minutes. Yeah. Well, no, you just you, like you just kind of wish that spot would be better. There's sort of the uh not to make another baseball analogy, but it's like you're playing a guy out of position in the infield. Sure seems like the ball finds that guy a lot. And in yeah. the playoffs, it, in the playoffs, you, you you put a guy out there who is not like ready to do that level. It's funny how often oh man, that guy's killing us. Is uh well, some of that could be the def the defense kind of leading the ball to get there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but defensively, offensively, whatever. Just like having, well, yeah, you need the star players, but you also need like five guys on the floor without a weak link in the chain. Yeah, and and I think that that's where you know you look at the like the Lakers kind of always had a situation where you know do we okay the way we can guard them is we need to have uh, Dennis Schroeder in the game guarding uh, Jamal Murray. Okay, but now we have Dennis Schroeder on the offensive end, and we, we kind of wish it was D'Angelo Russell, but we can't have D'Angelo Russell in the game because he's going to get cooked every time defensively. So we're in this spot where that spot on the floor is, is really hurting us on one end, no matter what we do, and not finding yourself in there. So I, the, I got myself off track, but in the new CBA, especially at the higher levels with the, yeah. mechanical, the mechanical obstacles to adding talent to an already good and expensive team like winning on the margins is is absolutely vital now because you can't just spend your way out of problems you can't just you know oh well we can add more payroll because we have we have this one guy making 10 million a year we can trade him for a guy making 11 can't do that anymore yeah so i i um i i think that that the difficulty they're gonna have you know how much harder it is to add those pieces on the margin than it was for like, we knew that, that the heat when uh, LeBron went there, we knew the first year was going to be the worst they were going to be because they used all their stuff to get LeBron and, and Bosch and pair them with weight. Yeah. But then starting the next year, they, you know, they get mid-level exceptions and all these other ways to add, you know, pieces on the margin, get a Mike Miller, get a Shane Batty, get a whoever else. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what happened, but the mechanisms that Phoenix is going to have, to put talent around Durant, Booker, and Beal. And they need talents around them because those three guys are very overlapping in skill sets. A hundred percent. That was my very first thought. Yeah. What you just said. Yeah. Redundancy in skill, in skill sets. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there's some skills that have that have being redundant is is good and adds. Like, you know, from a standpoint, they can all shoot. That's great. Yes. From a standpoint where a lot of each of their value is sort of ball in hand stuff. Right. At a certain point, it's it's nice that your third guy on the floor can run a pick and roll well. It's less it's less relatively valuable than your first guy. 
There's diminishing. So, re- there's diminishing yeah. returns. Like you don't need yeah. tw- you don't need twelve guys to create for yeah. you in the mid range, right? Right. <laughs> right. No. And so and so like Bradley Beal, like part of the reason his contract is so big is first of all a terrible contract. Second of all, it's his ability to carry like a third usage reasonably efficiently. Well, you're paying for stuff you're not going to use because he's like with those guys on the floor, he's going to be a 26 usage guy, which is you know, but it's it's a difference between like that's a big difference between the two, and you're paying you know 20 30 million a year for skill set you're not using, and with with as limiting as the, this this new CBA can be at the top end, like you I think you'd much rather be spending that on like two rotation guys. Yeah, and especially since you know you don't, who is there? Who is there? Who is their fifth starter? Who is their guy, first guy off the bench? I think there's only five guys signed, maybe. So who yeah. knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're gonna resign. They're gonna resign Tory Craig and Jock Lawndale. And, yeah, and what have you? Are how good do you feel about those guys as you know, twenty minute plus playoff guys? No, they have a lot working against them, even though they have yeah. great top end talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's the 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 so the. It's not just the – if the three had a better synergy, I would certainly be – it's like you you know, you know, look at it, it's like, well, we got this level of player for virtually nothing. So, yes, but. And that's I, where I kind of bump. I feel like the big threes that Kevin Durant has been part of recently, and he, it's hard to put Chris Paul in a big three because of the point of his career, have got like more and more redundant in skill set from yeah. like the Brooklyn Nets to the Suns, now to the new Suns. And a big part of why when they were together in Brooklyn, it worked was Harden basically played pure, like basically played almost old school distributor point guard. Right. 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 And then, and this was, I I thought that that was um, like when he first got to Brooklyn, that was among the best basketball he's ever played because he would be like for the first three quarters, he would be very floor general dime guys up, um, you know, space the floor and then the fourth quarter comes, and he hasn't used a bunch of energy, and he would just take games over. And I don't think that this group, this trio, it's like a pale imitation of it. Yeah, I, look, they're three similar players. Kevin Durant just happens to be seven foot, and that's why he's an all-time great. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and Devin, you know, Devin Booker might be a top ten player in the league right now. Right, but, right, 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 right. Yeah, but with them, wouldn't you prefer they don't have a, they don't have Bosch? They don't even have Kevin Love as a, as like a a compliment to what yeah. the two guys do. Like Beal right. is just, just Beal is the he's the, the he's he's Booker but worse. Yeah, yeah, and so. you know nothing against Beal, great player. It's just it, it's just fit. But I want to shift to this, Seth. You sure. know, I think this podcast will drop after the draft. But have you put any thought now? Wemby is obviously going to be his ceiling. I mean, it's off the charts, right? Off the charts. Uh, if you watch those highlights and those games, some of the stuff he does doesn't make sense at his size. But how do you feel? Can you make an educated guess how his rookie season will look? So I've been thinking about this a lot. You know that every year for the athletic, I do like postseason player tiers, and I've never put a rookie, an incoming rookie, on those. And I'm fig- I'm I'm cogitating on where he's going to be on there. Just because I think he's going to come in. Is he going to be a top 75 player in the league from day one? I think that's really in play. Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, again, um, like Richard Jefferson got like a lot of, like, like a lot of the 
you know, mockery for saying he's a better prospect than LeBron was. I think that's like, you know, doesn't mean he's going to be a better player than LeBron. Like LeBron from prospect to where he's like, he has delivered on his potential about as much as any top prospect ever. Exceeded. So going back to, yeah. yeah, going back to when he was a prospect, you look at, you look at him coming out of uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's and, and Wemby coming, coming out of France. Which one of those do you pick between? Like you think about it for a long time. I mean, you yes. think about it like that's sort of Odin Durant level. Let's think about it. Yes. And most the and most old heads would disagree with you, but I agree with you. <laughs> and, no, you know? and if you if you tell me that you think Le- LeBron because of you know his ability on like on the ball and versatility right, right. and all that is 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 a better prospect, I'm right. not gonna argue with you, but just, just the fact that it's a discussion. No, hundred percent. If we're talking about like in my basketball watching lifetime, top prospects are in some order like Duncan, Shaq, LeBron, Wemby is there, um, give or take, you know, whoever like uh, KD, Odin, Luca, um, AD. Like those are th- that's kind of the universe of, of players we're talking about here, and he's just so firmly in that discussion that like that's what we're talking about. Totally agree. Totally agree. I- I'm just wondering really like how this rookie season will look. I just hope now I remember people were talking about, yeah, you should bring CP three in and do like the OKC. And no, no, just let Wemby play and give him, give him on ball reps, give him off ball reps. Just let him play. Give him that like press Maravich, LeVar ball type coaching, I think in the first season and just like see how he could create. That's what I want to see. I I would like to. Yeah. I, I think that San Antonio is, is, there were definitely teams that if they won the lottery, I would have thought long and hard about where I would predict them to, to fall. Um, I think San Antonio is going to be a little more judicious and just like, let's let it breathe and see what he is for a year and then mm. start making some moves. Yeah, totally agree. Seth, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you, Seth? Where can we find you? Uh, you can you can uh, find me on Dunked On podcast on uh, on the Athletic. You can uh, read me occasionally on the Athletic, and a couple times a week dropping little nuggets on uh, on uh, for Dunked On Prime subscribers. And uh, I I will have an announcement in not not that long about a uh, perhaps another book project upcoming. Let me tease that. Wow! Not only a chapter I was asking you about. I should have asked you about the whole new book. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Well, okay. there's there's still some paperwork that needs to happen before we can talk. We can uh, go into any detail about that. Okay, ask the right questions, as I always do, Seth. You're always welcome. <laughs> You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for taking the time and talk soon. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you out in Vegas for summer league. That's the plan, Seth. That is right, the plan. <laughs> talk soon. Well, I, will see, I will see you out there. <laughs> there it was. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Big shouts to Seth. For joining in we appreciate you combo nation don't forget to punch down on that subscribe button share this episode with a friend share it on facebook twitter linkedin share it on your ig stories you could tag me on instagram at one two combo that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o-m-b on the lookout for episode 486 combo out <laughs>